Thank you for joining us at uh, Beerfish Fanatics. And this episode is actually brought to you by Whisker Seeker Tackle. So make sure you guys go to whiskerseeker.com for all your catfishing gear. Enjoy the episode, guys. This episode is brought to you by Kelowna Brewing Company. If you live in Eastern Iowa, make sure to swing by Kelowna Brewing Company's tap room. Amazing food and amazing craft beer. If you live in Central Iowa or in the Midwest, swing by your local supermarket and see if they carry the Kelowna Brewing Company line of beer. And also swing by your local restaurants, local bars, see if they have Kelowna Brewing Companies on tap. If not, make sure you guys request it. You, I kid you not, you won't regret that. Other than that, enjoy this episode, guys. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beer Fish Fanatics. This is Grandy with My Pop Fishing. We have Kit with the Fishing Kit YouTube channel. Man, I almost flubbed that one. I know, man. It's only your own name, man. Dude, come on, dude. You act like we we just started this yesterday, but I know, I know. <laughs> and today we are actually joined by the, I guess you could say the musky expert, at least in our eyes for sure. He's the musky expert, but uh, we got Mr. Matt Matt Rock. Thank you for joining us, sir. How are you doing today? Excellent. Thank you guys for having me on. I don't know if uh, I'm much of a musky expert, but I definitely uh, try and chase them from time to time. That's for sure. <laughs> Good enough for me. <laughs> you catch more of them than anybody else that I know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, quick shout out to our sponsor, Kelowna Brewing Company. I'm doing the uh, the brown ale again today. I'm doing the Bull Town. Bull Town. Boom. What do you got, Kit? Brown ale. I got the... Uh, Got the Doppelbach Lager, the Lubricator. Oh yeah, and it's another dark one. It is a dark. I drink all these dark beers before it gets too warm. That's true. That's true. Matt, what you got, man? I got uh, the Adventurous Brewing. Uh, Please, this pie pineapple. It's Ooh. a sour ale. Okay. Pretty solid stuff. They just came out with that one. I think like I don't know a week or two ago. I could be wrong on that. Don't don't quote me on the dates. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, guys. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Mm, yeah, I, I do like the brown ale. Um, yeah, you know what? Actually, I don't really drink any sour beer. I think the only sour that we've actually ever drank and that was okay with was the one that you gave us at the the beer festival. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, that was. I I just talked to John the other day and he said that they're just getting ready to do another round of that uh, the pickle, the mm. heavenly. Oh, I can't remember what it is. <laughs> heavenly crisp and devilishly crisp. <laughs> Callie helped me out in the background there. But, uh-huh. There you go. That was a pretty big hit at the Craft Brew Fest. Those things went pretty darn quick that day. Yeah. See, I, I remember that event after, I think you gave us a sour and maybe had another sour. I was like, you know what? Maybe sours aren't too bad. I and then I went, I went somewhere <laughs> and I, I think I got a sour. I was like, man, this is pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> it all depends, man. It all depends. But... Uh, yeah, but you know, by popular demand, we got Mr. Matt back, and right, a lot has happened actually since the last time I think we spoke and had you on. Uh, number one, congratulations! Uh, I believe uh, you have a, a one that's coming. Is that correct, sir? And that is very correct. Uh, it should be at the end of May, so that uh, will be an interesting interruption in summer fishing events for an undetermined amount of time. But we're very much looking forward to having a little one around. Awesome. Congrats. Congrats. <laughs> and then uh, I think your your YouTube channel hit over a thousand. Congrats on that. That's awesome. Man. Thank you very much. 
Yep, but uh, still don't have enough watch hours monetized. So, thanks YouTube. All right. Oh. All right. So that okay. So that's the case. Everybody who's listening to this, go to Matt's channel and just let that shit roll. <laughs> just just let it play in the background. You don't even have to watch it. Well, watch it if you want to watch. You know, amazing muskies being caught. I'm just saying. But just let that shit roll. Get the hours up, man. <laughs> I haven't checked it in a while though, so that could have changed. I don't know. There you go. But what, what? What? Uh, how many subscribers you got now? I think uh, uh, twelve hundred and thirty-five. I think was what I was at tonight. I just checked a second ago because I threw up a couple of shorts for whatever reason. Sometimes my shorts gain more traction, and I can get some subscribers from those. So I've been trying to just kind of throw stuff out there and see what sticks. Um, that's fortunate because I had one one hit pretty good with like 22,000 views, which isn't a lot in terms of YouTube, but it's a lot for me. Mm -hmm. um, and that was with Ryan Becker of Iowa Muskie Guide Service. So happy to get him some views. And then the one from Tracy with Iowa Muskie Guide Service, he had one where he was doing some like fall muskie tips and that one got like 11,000 views as a short. So that's pretty happy, especially for those dudes to just, you know, they were kind enough to invite me out and take me fishing. So nice. if I can get them a little little extra PR. That's awesome. I know Ryan told me the other day that he was able to book a couple of trips from just uh, the YouTube videos that we shot together. So that was pretty, pretty neat, pretty rewarding to hear that. There you go. Nice. Makes it worth it. For sure. Maybe we can get you maybe like one because maybe we... <laughs> <laughs> one listener, one subscriber. I, I, at least that's always the that's goal, fine. I hope. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice to just enjoy a nice brew and, and talk fishing. So that's what I'm here for. I hear you, man. And then, you know what? Let's talk. I mean, because we didn't get a chance this year. Our, our schedules had just been crazy. And, you know, we were trying to get on the ice and everything. And then now look at us now. It's like ice is gone here in central Iowa. It's like. Literally, I, you know, if you really think about it, I mean, most of the spots still had like 10, 12 inches of ice. And all of a sudden in one week, about a week, week and a half, I want to say, it mm -hmm. just went to shit. So uh, we didn't get a chance to get on the ice. But how you been doing on the ice fishing, man? I, I know I saw a couple of your videos and pictures. Yeah, it, it, the ice went fast. It was good ice season. Uh, yeah, I mean, as you guys know, it was pretty short-lived. I think we had safe ice that first weekend in January. And then, like, basically this week, which would be... You know the first week of march that ice is going off so yeah I, we we got on on the crappies pretty good a couple times on the walleyes pretty good i don't travel very much for the ice fishing thing i'm fortunate to have some connections back home and able to get on some water there with with some dudes that i'm good friends with and it's nice because i don't get to spend a ton of time with them during um during the open water season so mm -hmm. being able to spend some time on the ice with them is always i always look forward to that it stinks that we weren't able to hook up again because, like, I, we, we texted that one time, and then it was, like, the one weekend I was free. You guys had stuff going yeah. on with sake fishing, and then, like, the other weekend that you were free, then I think I had school obligations that weekend or something. I, I don't remember, but it just didn't quite work out, yeah. unfortunately. I kind of bummed about that. Do you, you have any, like, goals or anything for the ice season this year? Did you hit any goals, or did you have anything going into it at all? I guess my biggest goal was to just <laughs> catch some fish for fish fries because I don't keep a lot of fish during the, the open water season because I'm out musky fishing and chasing for trophy fish that I'm not going to keep. I mean, if we go to Wisconsin or whatever, I usually keep some pike up there to, to fry or grill up. But like outside of those, I, I don't keep a lot of fish during the open water season. So it's nice to kind of put a few fish in the freezer um, during the hard water season. So then if like 
for example, during turkey hunting, usually we do a couple fish fries or for my wife's family, we'll do fish fries or even for friends that come over. So it's just kind of a nice treat and something interesting to do that's kind of outside the norm that people don't always have access to, I guess. Not everyone wants to go out and freeze their butts off on the hard water for some fish. So Very true. I'll be that guy, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I love ice fishing, but... Honestly, I, I want to say like last week, I was I was pretty much over it. I was like the last couple outings I went, I didn't do too well. Anyways, it was just like uh, uh, I, and then it was getting warm. I don't know. I I, I was kind of I was looking for it, and then I got the new kayak, and I was like, yep, I'm I'm done with ice, man. How about you, kid? I mean, I I know our ice season just kind of wrapped up. How 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 would you say is the ice season been for you and and all that, man? Uh, best season ever. That's, that's, that's awesome, that's, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. That's saying a lot, actually. I got. I'm. I'm gonna have like eight videos going into next season. Nice. nice. Yeah. So I'm banking a few few videos for next season. I uh, I was gonna keep publishing videos until like March 18th, two a week. Then the ice was gone just like that. I'm like, uh, I don't know if people are really gonna be into the ice fishing videos right now. Yeah. So I was like, I'll just save them for next season. Maybe I get a head start. Shit. Start publishing them early, so, you know, when people are like getting itchy and hyping themselves up about it. Yeah, technically, you don't even need to release anything. You're good to go into next year. You don't even have to create any videos next year. You can have the whole season off. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't have enough to cover the whole season. Yeah, depends on how late we get the ice again this year. That's, That's true. true. Very true. Because I think when when we have Central Iowa, we, we got what would you say about January, right? Mid mid January yeah, is when we had. For me, it was like that first week of January here and yeah. just in central Iowa, it's so variable because like we could have ice, you know, the second week of December or we could have ice the second week of January. And it just depends on the year and the weather patterns and stuff that's going on. So, you know, yeah, yeah very true. It was actually it was pretty short then, I guess, this year. Literally, it was two months, like two months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we get two and a half three months if we're really lucky but yeah two months i mean i don't know as much as uh i like ice fishing like i said i was, I was kind of over it <laughs> so i was like the cold it wasn't brutally cold though this year i don't know how did you guys feel like i mean the weather actually was pretty tame for winter wise snow wise couple... i thought it was pretty tame yeah 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 there's a couple times i went out that was cold but we just shacked up and fortunately we were right on the fish when that happened but Grandy, I'll, I'll second you on the kind of just over the ice thing because we went yeah. Sunday last weekend and I was like, ah, you know, we, we found some fish early and we just struggled to get them to bite. We found a few quality crappies, a few quality bluegills, but like it just was not, it just, they just didn't seem to be that interested. I think I posted that picture online. It was like two 12 inch white crappies, but that was, don't let the pick fool you because that was like all that was happening that day. So yeah. enough to eat, but. Yeah. nothing crazy and plus it's just the gear man i i got mm-hmm. i was tired of taking all the gear out like taking the flip over a shack or whatever and then just it was just i mean i literally especially when i take my kids it's like 200 pounds of gear that i'm pulling and i'm like i'm not a young cat anymore and i'm like <laughs> I'm, I'm heavy weight as is as is i was like trying to pull that shit i'm just like all right i'm done man i was just but you know, till next year, I'll, I'll be excited. I mean, we—I guess we could still go up north. Oops, what did I just oh, do? What happened? Uh oh, I don't know. What did I do? My camera. There we go. Sorry, guys. But <laughs> no, as I was saying, I guess we could still go up north. But 
I don't know, man. I'm just over it. I'm just waiting to to get on the the open waters and 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 get the the new kayak set up and and ready to rock and roll, man. I mean, um, I guess we can segue into the open water season, Kit. What do you? Um, I already hit the river once this mm. week. Must be nice. I know. See, he got long. I know he got long rods out already. This guy. So. And then I uh, I rearranged the garage today. Pulled my car out. Moved the kayak out. Stuck all my ice fishing stuff into a corner. So I'm I'm mostly ready for open water. For sure. What's uh? We'll start here, man. What what's uh, Matt? What what is your goal for? 2022 for open water season what what's your goal or what what are you looking to do and um what kind of records you looking to break or (laughs) i don't know i mean uh usually my goals are are centered around like just amount the like the amount of fish i can put in the boat or the amount of fish muskies that i can put people on this year is going to be weird because having the little one on the way is going to kind of wonk up the the time on the water and realistically with musky fishing it's just being able to put that time in to to catch the fish because even the best guys in the world sometimes will struggle you know finding fish catching fish so just not being certain as to how that dynamic is going to affect my time on the water this coming season uh it's tough to like pin down a goal like last year i was able to meet meet my goal i guess of of putting people on fish and, and catching fish and like the total fish in the boat, as I would consider it, were like over 40 muskies, which for my time on the water and and like uh, the people that I had in the boat and the availability of just time to fish, I thought that that was pretty good. And I felt really fortunate to have caught that many fish or been witness to that many fish or net that many fish or however you want to quantify that number. So I think it ended up 46 or 47. I think I ended up with 27 myself on the year. But I was just really happy to to get that like total number over 40. I guess that was my biggest goal for last year. Um, and there's definitely some opportunities that were left on the table. But I also caught my biggest muskie last year. Um, and that was in Iowa, too. So that was pretty cool to catch a 47 and a half um, in Iowa in the fall. So but that was one of those weird days where it was like we didn't see a fish. We didn't have a follow. Nothing was happening. We talked to a couple guys that had had some smaller fish encounters and then just out of the blue, no moon phase, no nothing, just a w- some windblown structure. And, and there she was. And then that was pretty much it for the day because I had to go to urgent care. Cause she got me pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> no, that was, uh, that was Callie a cool had memory. to take you, didn't she? Yeah. Well, she, she didn't have to take me. It was just one of those deals where, she had stuff going on for the beginning of swim season since she's a swim coach here in town and at the college. And, uh, yeah, so she just dropped me off at urgent care, but the urgent care was closed. Then we had to go to the ER. So then that was an absolute debacle with, um, you know, kind of the COVID situation going on and just in general, the ER and some of these communities can be kind of a debacle just because there's just not enough, you know, healthcare providers to serve the community at any given time, which is just, that's a whole nother conversation, but I was there for a while and fortunately we got everything taken care of and it, it all worked out. Got a nice scar now on my thumb. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Wear a glove. If you're going to handle muskies, wear a glove. Although to be honest, I don't think that one, I don't think it would have helped if I had a glove on it. It would have just went through. So <laughs> was it like a tooth or a, a hook that got you? Yeah. So what happened was I, I went to grab her out of the net 
and there's a spot like right under uh, right under their gill along their jawline where you always put your thumb and what had happened was as I was moving my thumb to put it in like the quote unquote safe zone she rolled over and like rolled her face onto my thumb and then just kind of bit and tore away so yeah it just was not a good it was just a bad confluence of events and i didn't really realize how bad it was because i was all jacked up on adrenaline and (laughs) having caught a big fish so i was just yeah (laughs) Uh, and then yeah then that turned into a debacle really fast because we were running a couple of suckers that day so then what had happened was we were trying to get the wound patched up and then one of the suckers swam into the trolling motor that spot locked us on the spot the wind was blowing like i don't know 15 to 20 at that time because it was in the middle of the afternoon and we didn't realize it and we all of a sudden i realized we were drifting into the bank and my buddy's got a really nice boat so (laughs) (laughs) i was like we gotta get on that big motor in a hurry and then we pulled it up and the yeah, it was very clear the sucker swam right into it because the line and the leader were all wrapped up in the trolling motor. So fortunately, it didn't do any damage to the trolling motor or anything. We were just able to get some wire cutters and just cut it off and it was fine. But yeah, it was a real debacle there for a second between bleeding all over my buddy's boat and oh, <laughs> sucker, the sucker like running into the trolling motor. It was, just, it was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for a novice or beginner or anybody who doesn't even you know musky fish or just myself who've never caught a musky don't even know what to do what so this is you know the open water season is about to begin and what would you recommend you know how to you know how do i even focus if i'm going to chase a musky what would you recommend me doing and what do you normally do to prep to go after these muskies i mean how i mean I don't, I don't even know where to begin. That's why, uh, in case anybody's looking to get into muskies, because, you know, it's like a fish of 10,000 casts. So for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the learning curve is pretty high with them. And honestly, this is going to sound really cliche, but like, um, I would at this point and, and knowing what I know and kind of the learning curve that I experienced hiring a guide to at least start is a really good way to kind of intro yourself into the sport because the guide's going to have the the release tools the safety gear the fishing gear you know the net the boat all those things and then that can kind of give you an indication of if this is a pathway that you want to go down i understand that not everyone is necessarily has the finances to be able to hire a guide you know but like at the same time you know even here in iowa we're very fortunate to have some good guides like Ryan Becker, Tracy Crail for Iowa Muskie Guide Service, you know, Steve Jonasy out in our in our area towards the eastern part of the state. Like those are really good dudes who have been in the game a really long time that that know it well. Um, and that would be the biggest thing. If you are into hiring a guide, then I would definitely reach out to people like me or people that you know that musky fish. Um, and, and ask them, you know, what they should what what their perspective is or what they think would be a good idea because there is a whole gamut of things from having the proper tools to release the fish you know a net big enough to to house that fish if you catch one and and like safe safely work on the fish to get the lure out of it because the lure is a problem the teeth are a problem you have to be very careful with what you're doing and then you know leader line rod reel gear ratio how much pounds of drag um, you know, there, there's a lot of factors to consider with that whole equation that goes into these fish. I mean, realistically, 
you know, most of the fish that you catch aren't going to be like in that 30 pound class that are really going to test your gear. I caught, you know, two or three this year that would have been in that range, you know, that over 25 pound range pushing the 30 pound range, but like not all the muskies are going to be that way. But the problem is when you encounter one, that's like that, it can be, it can really test your gear. And, and that's, that's more what the gear is for and, and for, um, and for, uh, making sure that, um, losing my train of thought, my cat is trying to drink my beer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but those, those fish don't always test your gear. The lures will test your gear too. Like knowing how much torque those lures are going to be putting on the rod and the reel and stuff can be an issue because I had a rod break this year because I was trying to teach someone and like, I definitely gave the kid a lure that was too big for the rod to handle, but I wanted him to have a smaller rod, but then it ended up snapping and it is what it is my fault, but whatever. Um, it's just part of the deal. And, and, and it's just kind of some of those variables that don't always get considered that can, you know, be problematic for someone who's just trying to get into the sport. Hopefully that kind of answers that question. I mean, that was kind of long winded, I suppose. No, I did though. I mean, I'm cheap, so can I use a catfish rod and and and, and go for muskies with a catfish rod? <laughs> um, I would say it depends on it depends on what avenue you're targeting those fish. Uh, I think with what you guys are do what what you have available to you with the catfish stuff, if you were running live bait for muskies, I would think that that would probably be fine. Because um, I, I guess I don't know. It, it also depends on how hard you set the hook and stuff and. I don't know how, I mean, most of the time you guys are using circle hooks, but I would imagine if it's meant to potentially handle a 50 pound catfish, then like it should be fine for setting the hook hard on a fish. Right. Like, right. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, no, you're right. That's, that's what I was thinking too. So I don't know. But the, but the thing with the, those types of rods that are good for the live bait, they may, they'd probably work for trolling too. And that's something that I'm trying to explore more on my end of things. Now, I, I suppose if, to, to backtrack a little bit my goal for this year would be just to explore trolling more explore these different avenues of catching fish because i started exploring trolling a little more last year started exploring live bait a little bit more last year and just kind of fit the pieces of the puzzle together and keep trying to fit them as well as i can and and just keep learning the sport and and trying to just hone in on my you know method or a, approach i guess you could say but yeah, I, like you were saying, the, the the rod rod and reel thing is they're not cheap. So that's another avenue where hiring a guide can be beneficial because you know sometimes you'll catch muskies on bass gear or bass tackle, but like being able to effectively target them once they're keying in on larger prey items is a lot tougher with bass gear. So I got live scope, and I know um, we briefly talked about it. But I know guys out there, they use LifeScope to look for the muskies and they mm-hmm. won't even cast until they see one, right? Yeah, I've heard about that. I My experience with LifeScope and utilizing that for muskies has been primarily vertical jigging. And it can be an incredibly effective tool. It's 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 just ridiculous to see those fish come up and chase something that you're vertical jigging. It, it looks like the scene out of jaws it's just really bonkers um but and i know a lot of guys do it my buddy barry does it i know um the ridgeways will do it from time from time to time i know that they got one of their fish in the pmtt last year doing it maybe more than one i just know of one off the top of my head but 
um, it can be a very, very effective pattern early season and late season because it's just one of those ways that it gets down in their face and just stays there. But yeah, I, I know what you mean where they'll like search around for them. But I think uh, structure and bottom composition play a large role in that as well. Because like here in Iowa, I can side scan them pretty easy if they're depending on what the bottom composition is and depending on what the structure is. Mm-hmm. However, I run into issues even in Wisconsin where I'm fishing structure that's more weed related or weed adjacent because uh, what happens is those fish will just hunker down so tight in those weeds that, you know, that there's just no way that that sonar is going to penetrate into the, into the weeds. If they're outside the weeds, sometimes you'll, you'll be able to scan them then. But otherwise, if they're in that stuff, you're, you'll never know that they're there. Hmm. I mean, you'll know that they're there if the bait is there, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah. might as well just throw throw a lure out there then. At that yeah, point, yeah, exactly. How heavy are exactly. how heavy are the lures you're using? Because you're saying how you snap the rod. Like I'm just you know, because to a person who never really chased muskies, they don't. I don't think they really realize how big and how heavy those lures are. Yeah, most of the time I'm throwing lures anywhere between like an ounce on the lighter end of things. I'd be like rattle traps and and smaller like almost bass style jerk baits in the spring too on the heavier end you know i don't throw anything up to a pound about the heaviest thing that i throw usually is about 10 ounces but like you could do a pound even bigger than a pound for some of those guys in uh in minnesota that want to chase those ultra giant fish so you can get pretty big with them if you want (laughs) you do a lot of the sucker fishing um this fall was really the first time that I did much experimenting with it and had some success, um, which was cool. Um, I definitely used live pike a lot in Wisconsin. So in the Northern zone, that's legal, but down here, just having the the availability to get them is really difficult. Like the place that we got them, I think was in central city. And my buddy who works in the Cedar Rapids area had to go pick that. So when I fish one of the lakes over in that area, I dropped my cooler off the one weekend and then the net and then throughout the course of the week, he got the suckers for me when he was in that part of, you know, his range. Cause he like works on, um, substations and stuff for Sipco, I think. And then, so then I met him the next, or I had him leave him on his porch then the next weekend for me to pick him up to utilize them the next couple of weeks. So yeah, just the availability is tough. I mean, fortunately, they're very hardy fish. Those things lived on my porch for like 10 days and they were fine, oh. but <laughs> just kind of crazy. But um, the one weekend I had a guy from Minnesota come down and a guy from Wisconsin come down and fish here, which was a lot of fun. Um, unfortunately, I only got one day on the water with them, but we got one sucker fish that day and then they went out. So then that Sunday that they were here, it was just awful. It was like 42 degrees and rain. So we didn't fish that day. And then they went out that Monday and got another one on one of those suckers. So yeah, no, I, that's about all the more experience that I have with them. I usually run a bobber, but those guys didn't run a bobber. They just put like a, a weight down and then just ran the fish down like seven or eight foot and it just let it hang out, which I mean, that just depends on where you're fishing, if you can do that or not. Because we ran some, into some issues doing that on some of the shallower spots that we fished uh, this past fall where they'll get hung up in the weeds or hung up in the rocks or whatever. And nothing like having a sucker get hung up in the rocks that you paid 
10 bucks for and you're just like oh god <laughs> get out of there buddy <laughs> see see one of the goals i have for this year is uh so one of our local lakes has a musky fishery there and mm-hmm. this might be blasphemous t- to some people but when the crappies start moving up shallow my plan is to hook a you know catch a crappie i'm gonna bring out my one of my catfish rods with a big bobber on there i'm gonna throw that crappie on a on a big hook and a bobber just cast it out and hope something takes it i know um it's not legal in every state but here in iowa that is very legal Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't think it's blasphemous i ran one well not last fall but two falls ago drug one behind the boat all day so i don't blame you one bit there um i actually had a guy when i was fishing um in your area tell me that he had uh, a muskie steal two off of his stringer one day when we were out fishing i was oh. like are you kidding me that's crazy dude, dude well, i'm gonna make it happen how, how big of a crappie <laughs> though kit how big of a crappie if, if it's a 12 inch or bigger are you gonna do it yeah whatever crappie i catch because a muskie will take down big oh, bait heck yeah oh yeah they won't have any issue i would almost I would almost use a smaller one because I found out like this summer fishing with the live pike thing, there's definitely a range that they prefer. And if they get a little too big for what they want or a little too small, then they're not like interested. It's very weird. I found that like 15 to 18 inches was, that was the money zone. Cause if it was like 20 inches, like we had one that was, you know, pushing that 20 inch mark and we were dragging it around. And I kid you not, we, we had a muskie follow that pike for, over an hour and that was you know that was at the time that we noticed it to the time that we noticed it wasn't there anymore and it was just hanging out back there following it around so i don't know if that would translate to the crappie game at all or not but i would say like i don't know if i was spitballing probably an eight to ten incher would be what i would go for yeah but i I mean i was just i was just saying i would use whatever crappie (laughs) i catch but i think uh since crappies are a little bit taller their profile is a little bit different. I mm-hmm, think they'd have sure. a they'd have a harder time with like a big tall fish compared mm-hmm. to a longer skinnier fish. Hmm. But yeah, eight to ten inch fish because that lake also has some pretty nice crappies in it. Maybe a bluegill mm-hmm. if I can catch a bluegill. I would um I would do crappie over bluegill based on yeah. what I've seen okay. as far as muskies and their forage habits. On on one of the lakes around me down here, I there's it seems like they key in like there's no shad or anything in the lake and it seems like they key on key in on the crappies a lot more than they do the bluegills okay and we we drug a bluegill around this fall and actually we saw one come up to it on live scope and it just sat there like this just staring at it for like 20 minutes and we're like how long do we sit here and just wait for this fish to do something and it just never did and just okay whatever so sometimes even when everything's right it's not <laughs> so early I, I so i don't know much obviously about musky but so early season like spring is coming up where are the muskies would you suggest targeting them at shallow you know deep or how does it work because after ice out you know everybody's going to be out there hopefully with their boats or you know whatever the case may be i mean mm-hmm. if i'm if i'm chasing them where would you start where would you recommend to start that that's going to depend on uh where you're at in that ice out period and 
I, that's uh, like such a cop out to that question, but I'll go into more detail as to why. Because I struggle a lot in the pre-spawn and I know guys that don't struggle as much as me. And, and sometimes it's just a grind kind of thing. So initially, from my understanding, you want to start targeting those areas that you would target like late in the fall. Some of those, you know, main lake points, some of those, you know, big structural elements that are going to hold those fish all year round. And then as that water starts to gradually warm or warms up more quickly with the sun and, and how that happens, you know, they're going to push up shallow. So they're going to start moving into shallow water. And I know from talking to other guys, I mean, they can get as shallow as, you know, a foot or two, maybe even shallower than that. Like, um, but that's just kind of one of those trial and error things. And, you know, they're going to be gravitating like most fish and prey items to that warmer, you know, to that warmer water as it's, as it's heating up. So, you know, if you're finding the bait fish and you're finding the prey, it's very likely that those muskies are going to be around there. And that's just like your typical spring stuff, you know, your, your North, what is it? Your North West Northeast arms that are going to be, you know, getting that South wind, that warmest water pushed up in there. Um, those are good spots to look and, and just kind of do some trial and error because in my experience, you know, they utilize those channels, they utilize structural elements to kind of work their way up into those shallow areas. Or sometimes they just like shoot right up into them right away in the spring if it warms up fast enough. So I, I, it just kind of depends and it takes a little bit of trial and error. And the unfortunate thing with, with Iowa in that regard, though, and this is not only my understanding, but just from talking to people, too, is sometimes those, those reservoir type lakes can be really difficult to pin those fish down in the spring. So people who are able to figure it out, like, you know, a couple of my buddies, like the Ridgeways, for example, Ryan, you know, some of those guys, Steve that can figure it out really early on uh, kudos to them because I I've struggled with that. So I'm hoping that this spring, maybe I can turn things around and, and figure them out a little bit better before they spawn. But generally speaking, they spawn in temperatures ranging from like 50 to 55 degrees, but then you get into the conversation of calendar versus like uh, water temp and, and how that impacts things. Cause like the last two seasons down by me, uh, they're the muskie spawning has pretty much lined up exactly with like second season Turkey. And like, hmm. I don't know why that's been the case and we'll see if it happens again this year or not. But like, that seems to be, you know, uh, a calendar thing that you can kind of pin down a little bit more, at least in my area, which is kind of more the Southeast part of the state, but I'm not saying that that is transferable everywhere. Hmm. Um, I'm going to go back to the live bait thing. Are they, are they line shy? Do I need like a fluorocarbon leader or can I just get away with my bright green mono that is for catfishing? I would use, I can send you some links to some stuff. You're, you're definitely going to want steel. They'll go right yeah. through that mono or fluoro unless you, unless you're using like a hundred and whatever, 110, 130 pound fluoro leader, those teeth will just go right through it. And sometimes they do on, on the fluoro leaders too. Um, so I, I fortunately knocked on wood, haven't had any issues with the floral leaders. And I know a lot of guys I have never had an issue with them, but I've also heard horror stories where the fish will grab it just right and turn just right and shears it right in half. So um, if you want, I can send you some links to some of that stuff. I, I may have already, but I can send them to you again. I don't remember, but there's some companies like Shumway and I can't think of some of those others off the top of my head, but. So basically they're not line shy. <laughs> no, if they, 
that's that's the weird like duality of muskies is like when they're ready to eat you can't keep it away from them but it's like getting the bait in front of them at the time that they want to eat is not always like the easiest thing to do for whatever reason they're just they're very window oriented as like most predator species are but i don't know it just seems like even in the ice season the fish were really window oriented this year for whatever reason i don't know but yeah i don't know if that's helpful but hopefully (laughs) (laughs) you ever caught a muskie through the ice no, we, we talked about trying it this year and we just never got around to it. And about the time that the biggest thing is, it's, it's like, you know, you want to have enough area, enough tip ups, enough things to cover all those places. But then the weather outside has to be right, too, because if mm. it's super cold, you know, and you pull one up through the ice and it's gill freeze, gills freeze up really quick. And then you try and release it and it dies. Well, that's no good either. So, um you know, having that weather right to be able to do it safely for the fish and then, you know, make sure you've got enough ice to be on is it's things got to line up mm. pretty, pretty well for that. I know that guys do it. Um, and, and I know that some of those guys will do it to some, you know, to have some pretty legit success with it, but I've never tried it myself. No, I usually just save it for the open water. That's it's a little easier to try and figure things out then. For sure. Man, I didn't even mention that uh I'd be doing all all this stuff that uh any type of fishing for muskies, I'd be in the kayak. And I don't know if you got any experience with that, but that's going to be a whole different ball game, isn't it? Yeah, that'll be that'll be a bit of a bar fight for you. <laughs> I'd imagine that they would fit in into your into your catfish net though that you would use for cats. I mean, if you've got a net that you're you could potentially throw a 45 or 50 pound fish into at one point i'd imagine most muskies would fit in that wouldn't they yeah i mean i have a okay size net i don't know if a 40 pound catfish would fit in there um but man i don't know dude guess i haven't thought about that part (laughs) yeah the that's going to be the biggest thing for you in the kayak situation is like the safety with release. Cause one hand in the, in the wrong spot, you're either hooked to that fish or cut up from its mouth or something like that. And uh, I definitely am guilty of putting my hands in bad places. I'll like rewatch a video or something. I'll be like, Oh man, that was, I was not very smart there. <laughs> I was lucky, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those considerations where it's like the the dog that caught the car kind of thing where you don't ever anticipate catching one and then all of a sudden it's there and then you've got, you know, this fish that's anywhere between 15 and 30 pounds, you know, right beside you with a mouthful of teeth that's, you know, super strong. It's, you know, not always the most easy thing to handle or whatever. That's what I, some of these guys that, you know, will catch them on accident and just throw them in the bottom of their boat or whatever you know, not knowing, uh, proper fish handling and and those types of things. And it's like, dude, like that thing could flop and like catch your leg or catch, catch your hand. And it's like, Mm. Oh man, just like the thought of that makes me super nervous because I know, I know what they can do, you know, when they're in a net and it's like, uh, guys need to be more careful. (laughs) (laughs) No. So that's actually a good thing. Cause okay. I've never caught a muskie. If I accidentally do catch one, or I'm I'm sure our listeners, if they never caught a muskie, if they accidentally catch one, I mean, whether you're on a kayak or on shore, I mean, what would you, what would be your recommendation? Like, how how do I handle it? I mean, what where what part of the fish do I grab, or what what would you do in regards to that to to help 
the novice person who's never caught a muskie? That's a good question. So I would say like the biggest, the, probably the best way to do it, if you're unfamiliar with how to handle them and like say you're bass fishing, I suppose yeah. in this scenario, probably like the safest place would be to just kind of grab them behind the head, kind of by the gills, your hands out of the danger zone. And then hopefully you've got at least a pair of pliers that you can work to get it, you know, the hook taken out of there. Cause I would say that 95% of the fish that you would catch bass fishing, you could probably grab, you know, behind the head. I mean, you'll have the outliers where you got the random guy who catches a 50 incher on the, you know, bass whopper plopper or whatever weird thing. And obviously that's, you know, a whole different can of worms there, but you know, just kind of like a big pike. And if you can't get a good grip behind their head, you know, you know, try and get up under the gill and consider your hand safety, consider the fish's safety. It's, it's just a tough thing if you're not adequately prepared for it and, and it does happen. And, and that's just a tough thing to, when, when you're not expecting it to happen, that's a tough thing to kind of to, to tackle, I suppose. And, you know, they're, they're, and, and don't be fooled, even though they seem tough and mean or whatever, they're pretty fragile. So making sure to try and advocate and take care of that fish too um, in those situations is really important. You know, we're very fortunate to have a DNR that puts a lot of money into those fish, into the stocking programs that we have, putting them in the lakes, making sure that they're taken care of in those lakes and monitoring their growth, monitoring the lakes. So that way people aren't taking fish out too early. So yeah, just understanding that they're, you know, uh, a, a precious resource that there aren't a ton of them and and it's important you know to put that fish back so someone else can enjoy it too so i've um i've been fortunate enough to have recaptured i recaptured two muskies this year actually so that was pretty cool one in iowa and one in wisconsin hmm. that i caught last year one one was the same length because i'm assuming it was an old fish it was looking pretty haggard and it was 45 inches last year exactly 45 inches this year so i assume that that's just an old female probably towards the end of her life cycle and then the other one was in wisconsin and it was 44 last year and it was 45 and a half this year and i know it was the same fish in wisconsin it had a very prominent divot out um behind its dorsal fin i don't know if it was just a birth defect or it got hit or something when it was younger but it, there's no way it wasn't the same fish How'd you, you just remembered or you just were, you have a picture from previous? How do you? Yeah, I have a picture from oh, both okay. of those fish from last year and then I was able to compare it. Well, in the one, the one um, that I caught this fall here, that was a repeat from last year has a very like prominent rash that I thought when I caught it in the spring was related to spawning, but I guess it might just be a scar or a spot that the fish has. I mean, it's, it's like big old, like red spot on its tail. So it's very easy to tell. Gotcha. And it goes to show that CPR works. Darn right. It does. Well, I mean, you're going to eat the muskie anyways, are you, Kit? <laughs> I don't know. I've never, I've never caught one, never eaten one. Have you ever eaten one, Matt? <laughs> no. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't mess with that. Mostly just also because, like, the one consideration that a lot of people don't make with them is how long-lived they are as a fish and if you have any familiar familiarity with iowa's water quality it's not always the greatest so um you know thinking about some of the the heavy metals and things in a long-lived fish if you were to eat one because the legal so like if we were to do the math on it the legal limit here in iowa is like 40 inches and then if you were to harvest a 40 incher 
I mean, you're talking a fish that's probably between eight and 12 years old, depending on if it's a male or a female. So you're talking eight to 12 years to eat fish, collect heavy metals. Like that's not, um, that's not something that I would want to put in my body. So <laughs> regardless of how good or bad the fish tastes and also like you get into the, the resource thing too, where, you know, the DNRs, you know, those fish are like, it's like 30 bucks a fish to, to put one of those in a lake at fingerling size. So, I mean, that's a pretty substantial investment from the DNR. And I realized that in a technical sense, it is a put and take fish, but at the same time, I, I would, you know, I'm biased, but like the equivalence between harvesting a put and take walleye where versus like a put and take muskie, I, I don't think that that's quite the same thing, at least in my mind. And I would hope that most would agree with that, but um, so that would be why I wouldn't do it. And also like having clean larger pike like that's just a pain in the butt so like thinking about doing that with a big fish would just be awful <laughs> i just they would just be a mess so i'll just keep putting them back i hope that everyone else puts them back and everyone can enjoy them and keep catching them and and recapturing fish because that's pretty darn cool so yeah i mean you gotta be desperate if you're gonna eat a muskie you can go out and catch like literally anything oh, else. Yeah. You no, you're right, man. I mean, there's plenty of bluegills, there's plenty of crappies, there's plenty of walleyes, even catfish channels. There's plenty. Yeah, right. ex exactly. I mean, the the type of of fish that you can harvest to to consume are just endless. I mean, the the, the investment versus return, even if you were to want to harvest a, a muskie, just it just doesn't add up to me. Again, biased, but. At the same time, crappie are delicious, bluegill are delicious, walleye are delicious. I mean, take your pick. <laughs> True. Yellow know, bass, they're good too. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, anything else you could catch for a lot less money. There <laughs> you go. Effort. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you guys there. I wonder if Grandy's like, man, I would eat one. If I caught it, he's probably <laughs> testing the waters a little I, bit, trying to gauge your reaction. I'm I'm the type of guy that would I I wouldn't say I'm just gonna keep every muskie. No, I'm the type of guy that I've never had a muskie, so I would wouldn't mind trying one just to see if it's any good or not. Hey, I tried drum that you know it wasn't that great to me, and then some people love it. <laughs> um, I've never had a muskie. I don't know. I, I try to. <laughs> I tried to drum once. That wasn't too bad. I can also tell you, too, that most guides and me, if I was to guide anyone, will immediately put them back. Like most guides <laughs> do a no, no capture, no kill policy at this point. So you might be out of luck on Hold that on. one. No, I'm not saying. OK, people aren't going <laughs> to kill me on this one. I'm not saying keep you know all the muskies. I'm just saying I wouldn't mind trying one just to see what it tastes like. I mean, none of us have ever tasted it. You guys are just like, nope, nope, nope. But I would, I would be that one. I would, I want to at least taste it just to see what it tastes like. That's but all. If you taste one, you're gonna have to eat the whole thing because you just <laughs> harvested a 40 inch fish that weighs how, how much pound? You said uh, like 20 pounds, maybe. That's oh yeah, 20. a 40 incher, a 40 incher in Iowa should weigh probably around that 20 pound mark. Oh, yeah, you're probably talking about 15 pounds of meat there. So Whoa. you got like if you don't like it, you better eat that whole damn fish, or else you're gonna waste 15 pounds of fish. Hey, I don't get this big for wasting food. First of all, kid. Anyways, I don't know, man. Then how am I gonna ever get a taste it? 
I don't know, man, but the musky community is going to rip you apart. Yeah, I know, I know. People are signing off right now. They're (laughs) unclicking, like, unsubscribe, thumbs down. Never going to listen to this guy ever again. Dude, okay, I'm not saying I'm going to keep it. Most likely, I'm not. I'm just saying. Most likely. (laughs) I would just like, I would just like to, I don't know. All right, this is the thing. People are listening or watching. Let me know what what does a musky taste like. I have no idea. Is the meat flaky? Is it soft? Is it rubbery? Hard? I have no idea. From the old from the old timers that I've talked to in Wisconsin, it sounds like just like pike, basically. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So take that, that for what it's okay. worth, I suppose. Okay. No, I'm not gonna. Okay. Everybody, I'm not gonna go out and try and catch a muskie and keep it to eat it. I'm just, I was just like, I, I would like to just know what it tastes like. But if if I'll, I'll, I'll go by people's word if it if it's like a pike. Pike's not bad. Yeah, I, I eat a lot of pike. I'm gonna be honest with you, but there's a huge difference between uh, helping clean out a lake and making sure there aren't too many hammer handles and taking a 40 inch or 45 inch out of the lake. There's a big difference there. <laughs> I, I'd be too honestly. No, uh, I'd probably be too excited. Caught a big fit. I mean, to catch a musky, man, I probably wouldn't eat <laughs> the the very first one I catch. I'm not gonna eat it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It'd be like I'll be too damn excited. Hopefully, I can get one on this year. I don't know. We'll see. It it, it all depends. I, I have a few spots. Maybe fishing kit will show me. I don't know. We'll see if we can catch a musky. A musky? Yeah. Oh, Maybe no. Just. Well, there isn't too many bodies of water around us that have musky, mm-hmm. so there's not a whole ton of. We're we're not going to be like inundated. Like, man, where should we go to try to catch muskies around us? Well, you only got what two or three to choose from. Yeah, within yeah, an two, hour, two or three around you guys, and two or three around me. I think there's ten maybe total in the state. Twelve total in the state. I mean, there's just not a lot, and there's I think one private lake with them, but. There's just not a lot of options. I mean, I'd be glad to take you guys out for sure. Just, you know, there's just, and also like even catching one keeper size is not all that common. I mean, to get one that would be considered quote unquote keeper size, you know, over that 40 inch mark, that's a, that's a tough mark to meet in in the state for a lot of the bodies of water. There's, you know, is there better, you better watch out for that guy down there. If you guys catch a keeper. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> dude i'm not gonna keep it right kid jeez man like, this is a keeper i never had one before <laughs> hey I, I, i'm not gonna lie if i have a couple beverages and then i catch one no just kidding i'm not gonna keep it all right guys just uh fy but is there a reason why we don't have more bodies of water that has much? i mean I'm not i'm not really certain on that one to be honest with you i know that i know from the dnr that there's certain standards that they have to meet like with um the like outflow and watershed and and like the water retention um from spillways because otherwise they'll lose them over the dam uh i know that there's a lot of bodies of water that also have issues with that with the walleyes too um so that kind of narrows narrows the scope of lakes that can be you know stocked with them Mm -hmm. and i think that some of that you know there's been a couple lakes that have gone undergone restorations of those spillway structures so then that way they can retain those fish better um i think a couple years ago one up by you guys was recently done 
I think that factors in somewhat. And then the other thing too, is I just, they're an expensive fish to rear and raise. And, you know, you're looking at approximately anywhere between 25 and $35 to raise that fish up, uh, to get it to that 12 to 16 inch size to help with, you know, help reduce mortality once they're put actually put into the lakes. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a drawn out process and then you have to have the, the ponds and, and the systems to kind of grow those fish too. So, yeah. you know, it, it's just, yeah, it, it, it just takes a lot. And, and honestly, like the, you know, the musky guys out there were very dedicated, but you know, there aren't a ton of us. It seems like it sometimes, but you know, compared to how many guys are happy to catch walleye or happy to catch a large mouth or a small mouth, you know, our numbers are much smaller than those guys. So, um, I guess I, I, you know, I, I don't want to speak for the DNR on that one, but I, I would imagine that those are factors that, that play into that quite a bit too. Yeah. We can ask them next time we have them on kit and, um, we're, we don't have any hatcheries here that does the muskie, do we get, or do they get them from um, out of state? Uh, I don't know. This was, I would think I can't spirit. remember if spirit spirit. I can't remember if they rear some in Rathbun and then they distribute them from there. I, I can't remember. It's one of those. And then they, they distribute them from one of those bigger hatcheries again. And I know that some of those programs and stuff have changed over time. Cause initially, you know, they used to stock a bunch of tiger muskies yeah. um, in, in our lakes. And the tiger program was huge because um, it, it must've been easier to rear them or raise them or something because, you know, there was a lot of lakes that had them and, um, but unfortunately the tigers, for whatever reason, do really poorly in hot water. So then, you know, their mortality was like, you know, 85% or something silly like that. So then they kind of abandoned that program and then never replaced it in some of those lakes with the, the naturals. And then some of those lakes, they ebb and flow. And, you know, if, if they go through restoration, maybe they had muskies before and then they don't now. So I don't know what informs those decisions and don't want to speak for the DNR on that one other than just, I know that they're an expensive fish to rear and yeah. And there's only certain lakes that they feel comfortable putting them into success wise, you know, for the public kind of thing. Yeah. You back? Yeah, I'm back. Sorry. <laughs> man, Can't wait. There's gotta be a thing for that, man. All right. Yeah. You gotta let me know, man. Anybody got the uh, Canon M50? I stupid camera shuts off every 30 minutes, man. Got to figure it out. I have no idea. There's no outside plug for it. There probably is. I just not educated enough on it. I don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> All right, everybody. FYI, I am not going to keep a muskie. Okay. <laughs> Relax. Everybody's probably freaking out. Like, dude, this guy's going to go and catch a muskie. Wait, first of all, I suck at fishing. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to catch a muskie. And if I do, I will not keep it. I, I promise you guys. I'll take amazing pictures if I can mount it. So that's the biggest thing. Because we, we, we had Jimmy uh, uh, from, from Lawrence um, Taxidermy. But as long as we measure it right, take great pictures, he said, should be able to do a replica of it. So, yeah, you yeah, would get say, a replica. I, I would, I would get a dude. If I catch a musket like 40, 50 incher, shit, hell yeah, I'm gonna get a replica of that. That'd be badass. Man, I would say that's... definitely go the replica route. <laughs> yeah. yeah, based that's... on based on the way some of those natural mounts look like in in some of the places in Wisconsin and stuff, go the replica route. <laughs> yeah, 
I'm not going to yeah. keep it. I mean, come on, like you're saying, dude, if I catch a 30 pound muskie, I'm like, man, it's old as hell. I'll, I'll release it, but I'm going to take amazing, as good as pictures as I can so I can mount that. That's fish a lifetime, man. For me, man, that's pricey. <laughs> well, yeah, shit. they're not cheap. You're looking at like, I don't know, probably in between 700 and a thousand bucks, depending on how big the fish is and which uh, replicator. Replica yeah. person, taxidermist, yeah. oh, you go through. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but Jim, uh, Lawrence Taxner, he does amazing, and yeah, it's it's gonna be pricey, but you got to keep in mind that's like a trophy. That's why you putting it on your wall. That's an art. That's a that's you oh, know you're, sure. you're you know what I'm saying. So even if it's a grand, it's like that's something that you're gonna keep there for your, the rest of your life, no matter where you move. You're taking that shit with you. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's one of those things. Like hell yeah, I'm gonna hell yeah, I'm mount if I catch one like that. I'm, for sure. Yeah, my big conundrum is if I get a tiger in northern Wisconsin, because the lake that we, we fish a lot, they're naturals there. So it's like it's, you know, a musky egg that was polluted with, you know, pike um, milk, I guess. Is, is that what the term <laughs> is for the fish? I don't know. Anyway. Sperm. Sperm. sperm yeah. Sperm. Man. So, but anyway, <laughs> they're naturals there. So, like, it, it's a little bit more special. I mean they're all special but like when they're purposely like out west stocked like the tigers are to help control the rough fish so that the trout and the salmon can grow up bigger some in some of the colorado lakes um they're they're not natural whereas these ones you know that's just part of the ecosystem so figuring out how big or maybe small in a certain context that they would have to be for me to want a replica has kind of been an interesting conundrum to mess around with in my own head over the last few years as we've caught some okay tigers out of there but nothing like crazy i think 38 is the biggest that we've caught but i know that there are far bigger ones that have come out of there and far bigger ones that i've seen people catch out of there so it'd be cool to run into one of those at some point what would it take for you kit to mount a fish a fish yeah man i don't know dude if i got a state record okay of any fish that's what I was gonna say. I was like, it, it. I'd get, I'd mount it. Not that I, I wouldn't mount the actual fish. I'd get a replica. Yeah. I mean, unless I couldn't save the fish, like if the DNR had to come out and certify it or whatever, and the fish dies. I mean, I would try to keep it alive, but it, I think it had to be like a state record for me. I don't think you can get a state record without it um, dying. I'm sorry. You could keep it alive if you can keep it alive, and they come out. Um, and do all the whatever they need to do. So, okay, I don't know. That's actually that's a great question. I mean, let's say you caught a massive fish, right? Like you want to keep it alive and you want to release it. I mean, how, how it's a state record. What do you do? Because nobody's going to believe you take pictures or whatnot of it, right? Because they they're going to want somebody that's either you take it to a bait shop or somebody has. Do you just call the Iowa DNR? I don't even know how that works. Is that how does that I work? Think, I think you call the fisheries biologist in your given district or area, and they come out and they'll certify it. But as far as like um, the fish being able to to stay alive or not, I think that just depends on the resources that they have. Because like there's certain places like Texas, for example, with their share lunker program, like they're weighing fish and keeping fish alive all the time. But then like you look at the Minnesota state record that was just broken for muskies. Like apparently the story is that that fish choked it really bad 
and then it ended up bleeding out and dying. So then they went in and weighed it and did all the things to certify it because the fish didn't make it anyways. But I don't know if there'd be a way to just weigh it on its own without that. If you know you had it in the bag and it's just sitting there and you get the DNR to come out and check it out, I, I don't know. Put it on a stinger and stay at the <laughs> lake until they get there. <laughs> I mean, yes, I don't know. See, all right, that, that's we'll we'll have to ask that. I would even I'll jot that down too, kid. Because you know, it's it's very it's a very valid question. If you catch a monster and you want to keep it alive and you want to release it. I mean, you don't want to take it to the, you know, anywhere to, it's not going to make it most likely. So how do you, you know, the only way you got to call them, like you just said, they're going to, are they Sunday at eight or seven, you know, PM, are they going to come out and measure it for you? I don't know. Just bring a trough in your truck with an aerator, <laughs> just in case. Just in case. So everybody should carry one of those. Yeah, just like a cattle water tank, you know, yeah. with a bubbler in the back at all times. Just in the rare instance that you'd catch a state record. Yeah. yeah. See? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's got to be a better situation for that, though, I would think. I don't know. I think that's why, like, some of those places have moved to, like, length-type release records. Or some places have both. They have, like, the old-school, you know, they have the old-school record, and then they have the catch-and-release record. No, because I've heard of a couple of fish that would have broken that Minnesota record that were able to be released that, you know, the people weren't willing to kill, Yeah, you know, um, I think even if, even if I couldn't make it official, if I knew it was like the state record fish, I'd get all the measurements, take pictures. And yeah. if I knew that the DNR couldn't make it out, I'd probably get that fish back and I'd still monitor. like, well, this is what I caught. This is what the measurements were unofficial state record <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure but at, at the end of the day it's just a number in a book right like, yeah and then well i'll probably re- be recording when it happens anyway so there you go if it, anybody wants to believe me or not like well got this video check it out yeah exactly dude you I mean, never pre- just preserving those memories is awesome so yeah. you never carry a weight or tape measure anyways kit you just like mm. <laughs> And then you let it go anyways. <laughs> uh, I carry a tape with me. Oh, okay. But I well, barely ever care to pull it out. See? <laughs> when he when he pulls those wipers out of the out of the ice and then he slaps them on the ice and its rod is right next to him, and he's like, Well, I got a thirty inch rod and the wipers like as long as the rod. And yeah. that yeah. kind of speaks for itself. It works. That's it. Yep. <laughs> see? He doesn't know. He he never he never weighs what he never measures it. He's just like, Yep. It's a big fish. Let's it go. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a couple pounds. <laughs> Shit, nobody, oh, nobody believes you anyways when you do that stuff. Very true. Even if you have a tape, even if you have a scale, your scale's broken, or you're measuring it wrong. I'm sure you've guys seen all those type of comments. <laughs> yeah, that's usually why like a lot of guys in the musky community have gone away, and I'm sure that that's like that for the other fishing, the other side of fishing too, where a lot of guys aren't even posting weights or lengths anymore. It's just like caught a big fish. cool like i i'm not gonna sit here and argue about how long it is or isn't with someone else you know if i decided to bump the fish then cool you know one of my buddies from canada just put out a video about this exact thing to where people grandstand a little too much and and are a little too willing to critique other people because there's just no you know people don't really understand the relevance you know there's different relevance to different places in terms of 
you know, what a fish is. Like a good example of that would be, you know, a muskie, you know, a muskie down here that's like 38 inches. Like that's a nice fish. That's a really good fish. I'd be happy to have that fish any day. But like, you know, someone in northern Minnesota might scoff at that or someone in Canada might be like 38 inch or we see those all the time. Like, you know, it's it's all about the relative nature of where you're at. You know, another example is I put that, I don't know, I just, I, I, I pulled a kid. I didn't measure that wall. I was like probably 23 or 24 inches. Like it was like my first or second trip out on the ice this year. And I posted it to TikTok and I was like, big walleye. And it's, everyone's like, that's not a big walleye. This is a big walleye. (laughs) Which TikTok's a dumpster fire anyway, but like, (laughs) I don't even want to get into that. But like, my point being is that, uh, you know, a 23, 24 inch walleye down here is, that's a really nice fish. That's a really big fish. Like those don't come around very often, but you know, if you're fishing in Northern Minnesota, Wisconsin, or in Canada, you might see those a little more often. I don't know. Kit calls it tick toxic. Yeah. Tick toxic. That's, that's accurate. It's I never knew that. I never knew that there was such a critique to like cleaning fish or oh, cleaning God. crappies or kit your walleye. <laughs> kit's, kit's the, like the, like the, the greatest worst walleye flare of all time on TikTok. Oh man, <laughs> I don't know. It, I think it probably has the most views out of any walleye flaying video. I was surprised, like, wow, holy shit! How does this have half a million views? But man, those comments, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you going so slow? Quit, quit talking. Why are you explaining how you're ex- how you flaying it, kid? Jeez. <laughs> like, don't cut dad- this way. You're supposed to cut the other way. Man. My dad's been cleaning fish for 50 some odd years and they're like, yeah, no, that's not how it's done. It's like, oh, it's been working for quite a while for him. <laughs> yeah. Go yeah. Yeah. Matt, Matt's got a taste of the, the taste. <laughs> it's just like, what the heck? And then the, they tried to like censor my video or whatever. I got flagged community flagged for it. I'm like, what? And <laughs> I appealed it and they put it back on there. But of course, like all the traction was done. So, which is probably fine because then I got a lot less hate comments after that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I feel like with TikTok, it's just uh, once your video gains traction, it's just throwing it out to random people. They probably don't even care about fishing. They're just yep. scrolling through and then you see this. Oh, man, F this guy, man. <laughs> they <just> talk shit. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yep. We're all the social media, gentlemen. Gotta Which reminds it. me, I need to do another batch of TikTok videos. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you, you you tried to uh, replicate that, but it never worked for some yeah, reason. I gave it some time. I'm just going to throw out like what Matt was saying, like with the YouTube shorts, just throw out a whole bunch of stuff. If something sticks, cool. If yeah. not, it's whatever. Like if I could monetize TikTok, that'd be a different story. But uh, I don't know. I don't think the it, fishing TikTok's really huge thing. Well, and it doesn't exactly drive traffic to your YouTube or whatever, you know, that you do want to monetize. It's not like people are, they're like, oh man, that video is awesome. I'm going to click on it. Oh, his profile's great. Oh, he's got a YouTube too. So I'm going <laughs> to click on his YouTube. Man, these videos are awesome. I'm gonna subscribe. subscribe. <laughs> That's like a five step process to try yeah. and get someone to like get engaged with your content. And, and maybe, you have you'll find that one guy but it's going to be like one out of ten thousand people willing to take that amount of steps to get where you're going 
it's just not realistic. Very true. My students, my students pay attention for like 20 seconds or 20 seconds to a TikTok. Like you're not, you're not getting someone to take five steps to <laughs> get, yeah. get to your YouTube from your TikTok. Yep. No, very true. It's just, it's just exposure. That's all that is a little bit. And yeah, it seems more like hate than anything else on TikTok. I don't know. I think it's funny as hell. I, I read your guys' comments. <laughs> I just go there, like, dude, that's the funniest shit ever, man. I was like, he's just clowning on you guys. I was like, love it to me. It's just, it's entertainment. <laughs> but I don't know, man, is what it is on that. Um, other than that, man, you got anything else for Matt Kitt? Uh, yeah, if our audience wants to reach out to you, whether that's through your YouTube or if they want to ask you some musky questions, how can they do that? Yeah, if if uh, your audience is looking to reach out, uh, again, I'm more than willing to talk fishing or, you know, try and guide someone to, to the right answer at any point in time so they can reach out to me on, you know, on any of my YouTube videos if they want to, you know, direct message me on Instagram or Facebook at at Matt Vavrock or Matt Vavrock Fishing, more than receptive to that. You know, um, if you are wanting to potentially even book a trip with me or book a trip with other people, like, you know, I, I'd be more than willing to explore those ideas too if, if the dates line up. So again, I'd probably direct you to some of my other other buddies first, but if, if they're booked up and, and free, then maybe we could work something out. But kind of trying to think about exploring maybe getting into the guiding side of things a little bit but we'll just have to see how that kind of formulates i'm i'm trying to work on some of that stuff so we'll see for right. sure, if, for you, sure. Need, if you need a test dummy yep. right here right here <laughs> yeah i'm more yeah, than too. happy to have have both of you in the boat um with this summer it's been fortunate but I, i've been able to put some people on fish family members and stuff i've had some guinea pigs so you know, I, I've got a little more confidence than I had in previous years, so I, I'm starting to explore this avenue a little bit more. But I'm being exceptionally cautious because I don't want to step on any toes or, you know, kind of bite the hand that, that fed me and, and helped me grow as, as an angler either. So, it, you know, that's just kind of dipping the toes in. If, if someone was to want to, I would explore that. But I someone's got to reach out first. So For sure. <laughs> whatever. For sure. No, let us know. Uh, that, that's pretty awesome. And uh, like you said, man, I, I think everybody, you know, you're listening to this, you, you go check out Matt's channel. It's pretty cool to see him catch some amazing fish and then get get people on some amazing, you know, fish that I, I've never caught. So I'm still hopefully this year get a chance. Hopefully Fishing Kit myself gets a chance to get out with you, Matt. It would be nice. Um, but other than that, man, you know, just, just keep grinding. Congrats. Like I said, on the new baby, congrats on the, the th- a thousand plus subs, you know, you're on your way up to 10,000. So they'll, they'll be the next step. And then, um, other than that, man, it, it's been fun talking to you about musky fishing and it got me a little bit excited. I, I have some, I, I really do want to catch one and I'm going to release it. Relax, everybody. If you guys are, you everybody freaking out. Relax. I will not keep any musky because I'm gonna be too damn excited. But I will mount it if it's a uh, mountable fish for sure. So, other than that, guys, man, thank you so much, Matt. Thanks, fishing kit. Don't forget, check out his channel, YouTube channels, all of our YouTube channels. Um, give us whatever support you guys can, man. Really appreciate you guys having me on, and hopefully we can find some time to get the boat together this year. That'd be awesome. 
Sounds good, brother. Till next time, guys. Right. Sounds good, Later. man.